Hey now, this is Coach Scott Goolsby, the defense coordinator at Auburn High School, and you're listening to the Make Defense Great Again podcast with Coach Chris Vassour. Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name's Chris Vassar. It's not Vassour. I'm not some dirty French guy. Thank you so much for joining me. That's a joke. I absolutely love my French brethren. Today, we welcome the uh, one and only Scott Goolsby joining us to talk 4-3 defense and how he's modified it to defend the modern offenses. We go through his front, his coverage, his pressures. Don't forget about that. He loves those. We get into some great detail, and he also tells us the story behind uh, that voice you heard at the beginning of the show. So stay tuned for that. But before we get in the show... Quick housekeeping notes. I got a new website, coachvast.com. Well, I guess it's not really new. It's just completely overhauled, but it's still the same address, coachvast.com. Everything you want to know is afraid to ask about the podcast and everything I'm up to. Usually I mention a bunch of other stuff that I got going on, but I'm just going to ask you today. Listen, we produce this show. It's free, and I don't even know why I'm saying we. I always say we is the podcast. The podcast is me. I edit it. I do all the stuff to release it, the show notes, etc. One man band here, and I'm trying to change that. So I'm going to have two asks from you today. The first one doesn't really have anything to do with changing the one-man band aspect, but do this for me. Just go to the website, take a peek, tell me what you think. I wrote a blog on how Vic Fangio has evolved his Cover 3 package and how it can actually help you at the high school level. A lot of people think the NFL concepts do not work at the lower levels, and a lot of the times they would be right, but I think this is one that can help in pieces. Just go to coachvast.com, click on the blog, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Poke around there, too. There's a store, YouTube links, all my CoachTube courses in one place. And I'll leave a comment on the blog, whether you liked it, hated it, whatever. And here's the second ask. If you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing the podcast, if you haven't done so, I'm trying to take the pod to the next level, potentially working with an agency to bring more episodes, because let's be honest, I get bogged down and I got a bunch of other stuff going on. And the big-time agencies and ad buyers, they love to see great reviews. So if you wouldn't mind just taking a second, dropping a five-star review. If you think it sucks, please don't do that. And when you do, leave a quick comment, only if it's positive, on your favorite podcast app. And if you use Apple Podcasts, even better. would really help the show. I said for a long time it would help us get discovered, but now we're evolving to that next level. And I want to make this a more regular thing. And to do that, I need help. I need someone to help me put out episodes and to raise money to do all that stuff. I need ad sponsors, and to get ad sponsors, they look at the reviews. So I really appreciate it. I hate to ask like this, but I need all y'all's help. That's all I got for today. Let's get right into the show and talk to the one, the only, Scott Goolsby. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Scott Goolsby, defensive coordinator at Auburn High School in Auburn, Alabama. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Man, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on. Well, I joked on Twitter today that it's been Scott Goolsby month because you've come on this. We did something together for Huddle, and then we did something on the Patreon that was actually at the beginning of this month but was for last month. So I feel like we're – it's like the Scott – Goolsby Tribute Month. So thanks for joining me again. Yeah, man. Oh, it's been fun, man. I've enjoyed it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So let's get into a little bit of your background. Um, just if you want to give the listeners a brief introduction to yourself and how you ended up at Auburn. And we may have talked about this on the uh, Huddle podcast, but go ahead and let's let's do it again for the uh, for the listeners. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if 
we did talk about that. But I but I'm currently the DC at Auburn High School. Uh I've been here for ten years. I've been the DC for four. Um I am before I was at Auburn, I was in Geneva High School. I was the defensive coordinator down there for five seasons. It's a three A school uh in Alabama. And before that I was at Charles Henderson High School down in Troy, Alabama. I coached the defensive line and um outside linebackers there. That's where I started my career. Um, I coached for my old high school football coach. So um, I'm originally from East Bruton, Alabama. Probably none of your listeners know where that is. It's in South Alabama. Um, graduated from W.S. Neal High School down there. And like I said, I got my uh, – I actually graduated from Auburn University um, and got my first job coaching for my old high school coach, which was – it was a great place to start. Um, and he was a great guy to work for to begin my career. And uh, I've just been kind of – I'm a grinder and a worker, and I've just been, you know, this is my 24th. Next season will be my 24th season in coaching football in the state of Alabama. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but it's been a good ride. And, you know, Auburn's a good place. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise your kids. It's a great school system. And uh, I'm excited about this upcoming season. We got some great kids. We start spring May the 1st. Um, we got 10 days in Alabama, and we'll, we'll end it with a spring game against. Carver Montgomery, and so uh, I'm just looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to getting started. That's outstanding. How far are you from uh, Auburn, the university? Uh, we're, I mean, I live three miles. Uh, and the school is about. I live about a mile from the school, so it's probably three and a half miles from the university. We we use their. Uh, we have not. You know, they got a brand new indoor facility. We have not used it yet. Um, and they just moved into it a couple months ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we use their indoor facility when we need, you know, our rain plan. Whenever it rains, we don't have one on campus. And when they're not in it, we get on a bus or we get on four buses and we bus down down Sanford Avenue and go straight to Auburn University. So those those guys have been good to us, man. The, the new staff, they've been good to us and let us, um, you know, come over and talk ball. And we were at their coaches' clinic a couple of weeks ago. So it's good. That's such an awesome resource. I, I, the sound you hear is the, the jealousy of thousands of coaches listening to this. Well, you know, and, and when Ron Roberts got the DC job, um, Brent Bledsoe was the director of high school relations, and I was, you know, looking around trying to, you know, plan trips. Last year we went to Southern Miss and visited with Austin Armstrong, and it was a great trip. And we're looking around and trying to go to Southern Miss again and then following to Alabama and then following to Gainesville. And I'm looking at all these things and I, I texted Brent and I'm like, man, like we've got the godfather of the creepers three miles down the road. Like what have I got to do to, to get with him and talk ball? And he, he put me in contact with him and I've not been able to actually go. They started spring right after that. And so I just decided to let him get through spring. I mean, they've been, you know, they've been running, trying to catch up in recruiting and all these things. And so, I'm, I'm going to wait until we get through spring, and then hopefully this summer we can get together. Like, What a resource that guy is to just sit down and, and talk ball. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good deal to be so close to those guys. And he's an awesome person, so you're going to have a, uh, yep. a, a really good time over there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. All right, Coach, before we get into the X's and O's and all the fun stuff, i got to ask you something. You know, I've been following you for a while. I know you're a hell of a football coach, but you got famous the last, what, six, 12 months? I don't know exactly <laughs> when you started this. You got famous yeah, making these, these videos. Kind of, <laughs> I, I got to ask before we move on. 
how did that start? What was the inspiration and, and where, where do you get your ideas from? So I fancy myself, like I'm a people watcher, right? Like I like to watch people. And so I don't even remember why, like I never use Snapchat. All right. I've got the app. I don't remember why I think because I was just got it to play with. I've got two young girls. And so we were just playing with the filters. And there was one day I was about to go. It was like a Thursday or Friday before um, I was leaving to go to a glazer clinic. And, uh, you know, stereotypes kind of make me laugh, right? And you go to these coaching clinics, and I love to watch the, the, you know, the different coaches at clinics, the, you know, the different stereotypical things, the the guy that takes the pictures with his phone at the clinics, you know, the note taker, like those things kind of make me laugh. And so I was in, literally in my truck about to go to school, texting a guy and, and just making a goofy video uh, on Snapchat. And I sent it to a buddy of mine. Uh, just coaching and I found myself just kind of making fun so the very first video if you've seen it was you know the O-line coaches at Glazer and that that was made sitting in my truck not even thinking about posting it anywhere I sent it to a buddy of mine and uh, he sent back some man that's hilarious like you gotta post that somewhere you gotta put it on Twitter and I didn't I waited a couple days I was like I'm not putting me out there on you know social media for everybody to see like that uh, I sent to a couple other buddies of mine, and they were kind of saying the same thing. And so I put it on Twitter, and it just blew up, like literally just blew up. And so then it turned into, all right, well, I'll make another one, and then I'll make another one. And then it just kind of, I mean, it just kind of snowballed. And I, I think that was last winter. It was. It was last winter when I made that first video. So, you know, it's kind of snowballed, and, uh, you know, it's been funny. And people ask me all the time. Like, I've been hesitant sometimes. I told you, like, I don't want people to think I'm just some goofy video guy. Like, I make a joke. Like, hey, I'd rather be known about being a decent host than a, a good video creator. But I've had guys come up to me, and I won't say any of their names. Some of them, you would know them at clinics and go, man, please don't stop making those videos. Like, coaching can be so hard and so mentally draining. And I've had, I've had college coaches reach out and say, on Sundays when we're meeting, and we get we get in a grind and we get in a funk. Like we'll pull up one of those videos and we'll just watch it and we'll just laugh. And you know, and I had a guy tell me that his he said his dad's a retired coach and he's just you know really old, not in great health, and he gets down in the dumps and he loves to go back and watch those videos and just reminds him of you know being a coach of the good old days. And so you know, I heard stuff like that. I'm like, man, if it's actually bringing some good, I'm gonna keep doing it. And it's fun for me and it doesn't take any time. It's not like you know, somebody asked me one time, like, who's your team that helps you write these? And I'm like, me. Like, it's it's life. Like, I don't know that I really write them. Like, it's, you live it every day. You know what I mean? So it's not like it takes time where I'm sitting around writing these things and trying to film them. Like, I come upstairs where I'm at right now, and boom, it just kind of happened. You know, so I don't know. It's weird, man, but it's definitely snowballed. Well, I get the the – desire to it not overshadow your coaching and yeah. i know it can be a touchy <laughs> thing but coach who makes more money football coaches or yeah, entertainers I know. <laughs> I know and somebody's told me this i mean you need to get out and you need to go be a comedian I'm like no way no way but you're right <laughs> well if i was a company selling football stuff i would do you have a does your character have a name uh, no, <laughs> not at all. No, okay. I need to be your agent. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to help you develop this character. Uh -huh. 
and I'm going to get you signed <laughs> to deals where you're going to be, uh, it's going to be what coaches say about Crowther sleds or whatever. <laughs> oh, let's do it. I'm turn this into let's a money making machine, and you're going to be do it. You're going to be on the cover of uh, you know, or on on the videos. I could see it now being like, um, we have a new sponsor working with us, Coach Pad. Um, every coach Thank using you. Coach Pad, and then it'll just be you. Oh, uh, uh, that's it. There you go. I, I have a request. I need you to make like one. Um, well, first of all, I want to say, you know, it's really cool that, especially some of the guys you mentioned, either the grind or some of the older coaches, that uh, it's great that you bring a smile to their face. And I think you can do both. I mean, yeah. I don't think, you know, you've been speaking on the Glacier circuit this year. I don't know when that started, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that people wouldn't come see you if it was just based on those videos, especially if you're not doing like an act. And it's not something you can do live anyway, even if you right. wanted to. It's not like a, a comedy no. thing yeah. where you're like, "Hey, okay, great, no. uh, but but can you do the can you do that guy for five minutes? Like you know, right. it's church yeah. and state. Yeah, but right, it's also a great way to get your foot in the door. Like you can you can do both. You can be both, and I think it's fun that you keep doing it. But when you were talking about the older coaches, I have an idea for you. You need to make a series in like the '80s, like. Like coaches trying to stop the wishbone or something like that. And you can get the old timers yeah. really, really. You, you could start a whole TikTok trend where you get older coaches that barely have cell phones getting on a TikTok so they can watch you doing uh, how to stop Ken Hatfield yeah. or coaches trying to stop Ken Hatfield or something, something like that. That's a great idea because I do have an old coach one. I've, I've got that funny somewhere down the line. I've been taking a few notes. There's definitely something there, the old, the old timer for sure. All right. Well, coach, I, I, in the spirit of, uh, what you said earlier about not wanting to be pegged as that guy, let's move on to the actual football <laughs> stuff, but th thanks for indulging me for a All little right. bit there. Yes, of course. Thank you, man. All right. So let's get to why we brought you on today. And that is a lot of coaches like myself it was a little different. We ran a four, two, five, but to me, if that, overhang to the field isn't going and playing on the roof it's really just a 4-3 with a different type of personnel in terms of structure but over okay. the years the problem with 4-3 quarters and i'm a miami guy as well and, you know jimmy johnson was my coaching idol he got too good at it and offenses started designing an offense to beat that defense and and obviously i'm, I'm this is very tongue-in-cheek i don't really mean that but that we we couldn't right, we couldn't yeah. we couldn't be stopped and they needed to go back. But in all honesty, if you look at the RPO world, it's designed to beat that stuff because it was giving people it problems. Is. Right. And right. a lot of guys have either bastardized the defense to a point where it's not recognizable, which I don't have a problem with, but they've modified it and and don't even really run the base parts of it anymore, or they've gone to an odd front or they've changed their coverage structure and only use quarters as a change-up or a third-down deal. But you have fought the yeah. good fight. You've stayed in it. You've yeah. obviously tweaked it. But before we get into those tweaks, I want to kind of talk about a global overview of your scheme and how you kind of build everything, and then we'll get into the tweaks that you've made to still run this system in an RPO world in the, the 2020s. Okay. So I'll say this. I, I'm actually a, an odd front cover three guy. Like, that's what I played high school football in. And that's what I coached primarily my first probably 10 years in coaching is we were a slant front, the old slant front 50 defense. 
where you could take a, you know, in Charles Anderson, we didn't have a lot of just big dudes. So when we literally had wide receivers playing on the D line and we were slanting those guys and we were spinning, you know, cover three. And so that's what I grew up in. But then you started just getting eating a lot, just getting eaten alive in that. And so people started playing more too high quarters type stuff. And, and so I, I did that, right? Like we left the odd front and just strictly went to the even front playing quarters to try to, you know, combat the stuff that we were getting beat on in, in cover three. And over the years, I've just become very comfortable in that structure of the defense. And I feel like I know and our staff knows the answers that we want to whatever the offense can do against us. And I, and I also think this, Chris, like this is important for me to remember as a coach, but for your listeners too, I've made the mistake in my career before at trying to rearrange everything I did to try to match what the, the offense is doing. And I don't want to make that mistake again. And that's primarily the reason that I stick with what I'm comfortable with and what our kids are comfortable with, which is the four three-quarters defense, all right? Because I don't want to get caught into a trap of going, all right, so they're doing this now, so let me shift to this front. Or they're doing this now, and let me shift to that front. I felt like at times in my career, really before I got to Auburn, that I was kind of playing – I was not the aggressor. I was kind of playing on my heels sometimes and, and just reacting to whatever they were doing. And uh, I don't know that our kids, I don't know that if that was fair to our kids at that time. And I don't, I don't want to make that mistake again. You know what I mean? Like I want to be the aggressor and I want to do what I want to do regardless of what they're doing on offense. And I do believe that the four, three with the quarters and you, you got to tweak it and you got to close the middle of the field some, and you got to, you know, give different front structures, and those are things that we'll talk about. But I believe that offense—I mean, that defense—can answer almost everything that the offense could do. And by not just leaving it, it allows our kids to get comfortable with something and get comfortable with some reads and play really, really fast. So that's why I still believe in that. Um, so now, like you mentioned. We're not going to just sit, you know, when people think four, three quarters, they think you're just going to sit in that. You're not going to move. And that's not us, right? I, I've started calling us. We've called ourselves a four, two, five in the past. We're not. Um, our Sam linebacker or whatever, our, our strong side, field side linebacker is really a hybrid guy. Uh, he was the, the kid we're going to have this year was actually a safety for us last year. Um, and uh, so he, he could play on the roof some and i'm toying with some of that we've we've, we've kind of done some of that stuff with him even some tampa stuff we're doing it with him some so he can do that and we may do that some but um i mean we're gonna we're not gonna just sit in that three and that one we're gonna move those dudes and we're gonna give some tight four looks um we're gonna give different presentations in the box and uh i think anytime you can you know, give an offense, a high school offense with high school offensive linemen and high school quarterback, anytime you can give them something different, it makes your base that much better. You know what I mean? And yes, we're a too high team. And I love the too high. But you can't just sit in that. You, you got to be able to spin it and close the middle of the field and go three or go one or do some of that stuff. And, and I think if you can do that, 
and execute it really, really well, then that makes your four three quarter stuff just that much better, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. How have you done that? Let's start with the front end. What's your base? Where where, where are you starting? And then kind of from there, how you've altered the defense. Okay, so we're we're a three and a one. We're going to set our three to the strength. And we we tell our guys, I try to make the alignments for them very, very easy. And so I tell them, you find the numbers and you set our strength to the numbers, right? So we look for a tight end. If there's no tight end, we look for multiple receivers. If there's no multiple receivers, we look for the back. And that's how we set them front. And we're starting that. I'm actually meeting with our linebackers tomorrow morning. Um, like I said, we start spring on May the first, and that's that's what we'll uh, uh, start doing. Is we'll we'll go through, and those guys know that they've been playing for, so that's that's not an issue. But that's how we set the front. We send our strong side linebacker to Sam. We call him a nickel. We send him to the passing string. All right. We don't do you know in the spring we won't do any field boundary stuff. We won't do any of that. Obviously, we'll get into that as the season goes. and We'll have, you know, field checks and all that. But our starting point is going to be a 4-3 over front defense where we set our strength to the numbers. And I tell our guys, we're going to be able to play that before we move to anything else. Like, if we can't do anything else on defense, we're going to line up, we're going to play that three and that one and that quarters look versus whatever the offense shows us. All right. Now, obviously, they put two tights over there. We're not going to send a three and a one. We got to walk guys down and all that, you know, and atypicals. But that's what we're going to do. Okay. So if we're just talking, um, our next progression front wise after that is to going is going to be to go to a tight front. All right. And I'm like anybody. Like I love the four. I love the four three and the quarters. But I love all the other stuff that you can do, too, on defense. And I want to have fun. And I tell our kids, like, I want to do all these different things. But you guys got to be able to execute it. Like, the more you can execute, the more we can do. And so the next thing we'll do is we'll jump in the tight front. We'll jump in tight four. And to get into that, we try to make our alignment very easy. I'll tell those guys. And our Mike linebacker, you know, he sets the front and he aligns us and all that stuff. And I'll tell him, we're going to just slide everything strong. So we're going to take our – three and bump him to a four eye. We're going to take our shade and bump him to a zero nose. We'll take our five from our four, three on the weak side, bump him to a four eye. And then our strong side end. All right. The guy that goes to the strength, we call that guy, and excuse me, we call him a bandit. So he's going to be a guy. And really I would like both defensive ends to do this. And we may end up with that this year. It just, you know, it depends year to year on, on personnel. But I like that guy to be a, a guy that can play off the ball, too. Um, you know, whether we want to apex him in a tight front or we want to get in the stack front and let him stack the nose and, you know, play off that lag technique that we sometimes play on our stack front. Um, but but in the tight front, we're going to put him three by three. Um, if you've got, you know, no attached tight end, he's going to be three by three. All right. And then we'll take our wheel linebacker. And we'll do the same thing with him on the weak side. And so we end up with two four eyes, a zero nose, and those overhangs at about three uh, three yards outside, five yards deep. We play that. All right? And that's our next go-to. Now, I also don't want to just sit in that, right? Like, that would be the first thing we would do in that tight front is we would just sit in that. But then our next thing is we're going to slant right back to our base front. So we're going to show them the tight front pre-snap, all right? And then – 
we're going to just slant the front right back to our over front. So we would take our the four eye, slanting back into a three, take the zero, slanting to a shade, take the weak side four eye, he'd go five, and we'd bring that bandit, that strong side in, and he would just slant and kind of come off the edge right here and play really the same technique he would play from a five um, in our in our base our base four three front, if that makes sense. Absolutely. We got several different games that we play off of that that are, you know, tight stuff where we'll send both of those overhangs off the edge and we'll send them underneath. And then we got a plethora of other stuff that we're, you know, I keep a book with me every day that I, when I come across something that I like out of the tight front or see something that somebody else does that I can make our, I, I write it in this book and I just keep this book with me um, all the time. And whenever it, you know, on Sundays during the season when we're looking to add something or we know we need something versus this, like just pull that book out and we just look at look at what we got and what we like and what we can pull from. But you know, I think you've got to make it easy on them to get into that front. You know what I mean? And it can't be it can't be hard. So when we want to get into that tight front, you know, we don't call it tight. We've got a name for it. And my linebacker just says that name and gives them a direction and boom, they jump in it. Um, you know, and we'll stem to it some. All right, and we'll stem out of it some too. Uh, but that's going to be the second front that we would put in. It's just the tight front. Um, and so when, when we're going to do that in the spring, uh, we've already got that installed. When we start on day one of the spring, uh, my plan, you know, as long as the kids can execute, and I think we'll be able to, is to be able to play our 4-3 our front and our tight front uh, on, on day one. And so if we can execute both of those really, really well, you know, this may not make sense, but in my mind it does. If we can execute both of those really, really well, then that makes just both of those just even better. You know, I believe in both of those fronts. But if you can do both of them really, really good, like it just it just gives you an advantage as a defense. I think. Absolutely, it does. I mean, the the more you can do out of the same people using the same rules, the better. Now, right. how do you tie your rules in together? Because I'm pretty aggressive with installing stuff, but scaring, uh, yeah, installing the overfront and the tight front together scares me. So how do you how do you get a how do you do that without modifying the rules too much where it all makes sense? Uh, uh, I mean, so you t- you're talking about just in terms of the guys up front, the techniques they play, or the alignment rules, or linebacker pits, or all of it. How do you tie it all together where it doesn't become two completely different animals and you're able to do it on the same day? Well, because I think the first thing is that the way we get into the tight front, all right, is we just we we slide everything strong so everybody just bumps half a man over, right? And and it does get a little bit like right now our guys. So in the past, our tight front has been a a too tight adjustment and a. A, a bare front basically is what was what it was, right? We would jump into that bare front, uh, right? Whenever we got a too tight end adjustment, and so whenever we say that, that you know, whenever we say bare front, and we would tell me want to get into that, um, that's what they think, right? Those overhangs that I want to play off the ball a little bit, they automatically think, hey, I'm up on the ball. We're playing that old school bare front, so I just have to make sure that that's clear in their mind. That, that that's not what we're doing here, right? What I want to do when I get into that tight front is get that is get a zero nose and get two four eyes. And as far as the technique goes, they're still playing. You know, the three technique is is still doing what he does at the three technique. 
He's just now doing it in a, a half a man over, right? So we teach him, you know, obviously they play with our hands via the neck and all that stuff. And we, we try to do a great job of, of squeezing blocks up front and, and working those O-line and getting them flat down the line of scrimmage and letting the linebackers scrape and flow and all that kind of stuff. But so they're still doing the exact same thing. Uh, they're just doing a half a man over. And so I don't think that's very difficult on those guys at all. Um, now, the overhangs technique is obviously going to be a little bit different, right? And so we just try to coast that. It's really not any different for our outside backer. Um, he's doing exactly what he would do in, in our base adjustment. He's just doing it maybe a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And then, so it is a little bit different for that banded guy who is not always a linebacker, right? But again, I want that guy to be a linebacker. So, you know, we, we, hopefully we're able to do this without changing personnel. Like, I don't think it's as good of an advantage if you're having to run guys on and run guys off to be able to go from an even and an odd front. If you can do it without changing personnel and get that overhang guy to understand what he's doing, which, to, to be honest, Chris, it is not, it hasn't been that hard for us. Like, I mean, that guy's going to be a run fitter. So when he gets a run look, he's coming down and he's playing his run technique. And if he does get a pass look and he's not on a pressure, all right, I'm not going to make it very hard. I'm going to try to tell him to get up underneath the number two, and that's it. That's all I'm going to try to tell him to do. Um, so I don't make those things very hard for him. Um, and then, so in terms of our inside linebacker fits, you know, we could – we could get into that, but that would be a whole nother, another deal. But just, I think the way we teach, um, so we may have talked about it before. I don't know. We teach a level one and a level two and a level three fit with those guys. And it's just a, uh, a really quick way for them to, you know, understand, Hey, am I running through my gap now? Am I scraping? Am I ripping and running that kind of deal? Um, I think the I just think the keys that we give them at inside linebacker, you know, fit whether you're in a tight front or an even front. So, and, and when I say we put in the tight front, too, let me say this before we move on. Like, we're not putting in the full tight front package. Like, we're getting in the, the zero and the two four eyes, and we're going to end up with probably, we'll, in the spring, we'll probably have three calls off of that. You know what I mean? So, we're not putting in the entire tight front package. We're getting in that look, and we're going to have three or four base calls all of it that we like, and, and we're rolling. And remember, the very first one is going to be we're going to show them the tight front, and then we're getting right back into base on the snap. We're slanting right back into it. So we're really playing our base front. We're just showing tight pre-snap and getting right back into base. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't want to – and that goes back to what I was saying a while ago about you know, I mean, I'm sitting here telling you, hey, I don't want to switch fronts and change defenses and do this. I don't think we're doing that by doing any of these different front structures. We're 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 still who we are. We're just trying to create a little a little confusion at the beginning for those high school offensive linemen. You know, I want I want those guys to be confused, not our guys. And um, look, if we're not ready on day one of spring to run that tight front, we won't run it. Like we'll throw it right out. If we're not being sound in it, we're not being technical in it, like we'll keep working it and we'll keep practicing it and uh and we'll we'll throw it out there in a game or in practice when you know, when we get good at it. And that's what we did last year. We didn't show a lot of it until late in the year, really playoff time. 
we jumped in the tight front a lot. We had worked on it all year, and our kids had gotten comfortable at, you know, comfortable at it, and so we were able to to really throw it out there in the playoffs and get some and get some mileage out of it. So, you know, I may be in a little, I may be a little bit too aggressive. I may be thinking on day one we're gonna be able to come out there and show you base and tight and this and and be able to do it all. We may not be, you know, but that's I'm gonna try to be. I'm gonna try to be really, really aggressive with that. No, it makes perfect sense. And I figured there were some differences because, like I said, I mean, not that I'm everyone, and it's also been a couple of years since I've actually had to do this. But I was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to put in the 4-3 defense and the whole tie. And I'm thinking, like, the whole package. No. I w- that's no, no. why, that's why I was like, whoa, okay. Well, I got to see how this guy's doing it because he needs to be the most famous man in football if he can do it this easily. No. So let me let me tell you this. And I, and I went – I talked with – I've been – I've been throwing this out to our guys. So I gave them three words and I told us, guys, if you can remember what these three words mean, all right, these three words are going to be universal. Eventually they'll be universal all uh, over probably three or four different front structures that we show pre-snap. So obviously we got our base front. And if we want to get in the tight front and I'll just tell you these three words, I don't, I don't well, I'll tell you the three things that we're going to do. So if I want to, we're going to have a tight, and we'll slant the front, right? I'm gonna have a word, and we'll slant the front right back into our base look. All right. So let's let's say that, that word is whatever. I'll just throw some colors out there. Let's say that word is blue. All right. If you know that blue means slant, right? Then we can slant back into our base front out of however many fronts we want to get into, whether it's a tight front <laughs> or whether it's uh, you know we get in a front. I may have told you where. We get in a, a third down passing situation. We'll get in a zero nose, and we'll and we'll get in it the same way we do our tight front. Slide everything strong. We'll get in a zero nose. We'll have two fives, and then we'll have two wide nines, right? Where we're trying to just make those tackles have to block really wide, make those guards have to jump out and play like tackles, and so we'll show them that front. But if I give them the blue call or whatever the word is. Right, they know that we're not going to sit in that. We're going to jump right back. We're going to slant right back into our four-three over front. So one of those overhangs is going to drop back into pass coverage, and we're still in our four-three. We're just getting in it from that that Bengals front, that wide five, wide nine, zero nose front. Right, and so that word allows us to do that out of type, out of Bengals, and then we'll also do it out of uh, you know a ball front where we'll overload everything strong and we'll just slant right back into it and so if they can remember that blue we're going to use that word blue means slant we can show three different front structures slant right back to base all right and so let's say the next word is orange all right for Auburn blue and orange let's say the next word is orange all right and we want both we'll go back to the tight front I feel like I'm bouncing around between the tight front and the bingo front all right so we're in the tight front, and we want both of those overhangs, okay, to come off the edge, all right? Well, if they know that orange means, hey, I'm coming off the edge, they can do that out of the tight front. They can do that out of the bingo front. They can do that out of the, the boss front, the overload front. So there's three different front structures, and there's one word that's universal across those front structures. And then if we have another one, whatever yellow means, we want, you, we want those overhangs coming underneath. We want those four eyes or those five, like a next call. We want them exit, all right? So if they know that yellow means that, well, now all I got to do is get them lined up in those three fronts, and then we got those calls that we can run out of all those front structures. 
And so that's what I want to do. I want to be able to play that three and that one really, really well and play the quarters look and then give different front structures and feel comfortable enough that that I can give them those three words, that blue orange, that blue call, that orange call, that yellow call, and just get boom, right back into what I want to get back into. And so it, it just allows me to be the aggressor without having to, you know, like you said, install the entire tight package or whatever. That makes a lot of sense. I love you, it. No, that's great. I, I just, I've really gotten into, I really think you can confuse these high school offensive linemen. You know, and I know people say, man, if, if, if I know where that three and that one is, like I can, you know, I can scheme you up. And that's, you're not going to be able to just pinpoint that on us. I mean, maybe early in the season before we can kind of get all this stuff in, you may be a little, but I'm not just going to sit in that. You know, I don't think that's fair. I've learned a long time ago, like you, you got to have enough ammunition, but you can't have too much. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to give me a lot of ammunition without having to put a lot of stuff into those kids' heads that confuses them. I, I want that offensive lineman to play, you know, just a little bit slower. It's like I've told you, I try to give our guys a little edge or a little pre-snap key or whatever that is going to make them play a little bit faster than they are. And I'm trying to make that O-line play a little bit slower than what they are. Makes a lot of sense, Coach. Anything else with the fronts that you've done to kind of combat some of the newer concepts that maybe you didn't see five to ten years ago? but still maintain the structure? Well, and I'm, I'm a big pressure guy, so I, I like to pressure. Um, you know, you talked about the RPO earlier. Um, I tell our guys all the time with the RPO, like, I want to make it a PO. Like, I don't, I want to take the R out of the equation. I want that quarterback to have to pull the ball and pitch it out of there, whether it's, you know, wh- whatever RPO scheme they've got, like, I want that to be the only option they have. I want to take the take the R out. So I want to shut the run down. Right. Um, and, th- and that really just goes back to my whole philosophy and, and our whole philosophy on uh, defensive football. Like I think you stop the run and you make those, you make the, I, I still believe that. I still believe that you stop the run and you make them throw the football. I think that's when bad things can happen. I think that, you know, most offensive coordinators, and I'd be interested to know if, if you, agree with me and if your listeners agree, I think most offensive coordinators nowadays are not they're not they're not patient. Right? They they want the big play right now, you know. Um but they're not content with taking that five yards. And uh so I I, I wanna make them do that. I wanna make them have to take the five yards. All right. And uh if that becomes a problem for us where they are taking that five yards and they are just nickel and diming us down the field we got answers, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll jump into, you know, man or whatever we need to jump into to deny the ball on those routes. But yeah, in terms of the RPO, like that's become really, really popular. And I want to take, I want to make them have to pass it. I don't want the R to be part of the equation. All right. Uh, And so then my, my next thought process on that, and this kind of really comes back to, I mean, I guess my nature is to be a pressure guy, but I was at, we went to a clinic at the University of Michigan several years ago when Don Brown was their defense coordinator. And I remember a guy asking him specifically about the RPO. And the guy said, RPO, you know, puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And Don Brown said, you're right. The RPO does put a lot of pressure on the defense. And there's two ways of dealing with, with, uh, with pressure. You can feel it or you can apply it. And he said, I'm not feeling it. And I was like, I love that. I don't, I don't, 
I'm not going to sit back. I don't even really think about the RPO putting pressure on us. Like, I don't ever spend a lot of time thinking about that. Um, I think about putting pressure on it, like making that quarterback. Really, one of my favorite things to do is to tell our outside linebackers or whoever whoever our quarterbacks are ahead of myself, but we will assign a quarterback player. If we're playing a zone team, a zone RPO team, we will assign a quarterback player. Um, I probably shouldn't use the word assign, but the, the guys will know who's responsible for the quarterback, whether it's a defensive end or an outside linebacker or Mike, or, you know, if we have a pressure and it's somebody else, right, they will know who the quarterback guy is. And I, and I tell them all the time that I want that quarterback. If he, the first thing is if he is going to throw the ball on the RPO, I want him to throw it with one of our guys in his grill. Like when he puts that ball down and he's reading whoever he's reading, if he's reading you and you're on a pressure, like you better be in his face when he pulls that ball to throw it. And if we're talking about a high school quarterback that's sitting back there and he's got an outside linebacker screaming off the edge at him or a mic scraping in his face, that's going to make that little throw, I think, a lot harder for that kid, that high school kid to make. And so I, I like to pressure it. Um, that, that that's you know probably our next other other than the fronts that's probably the next thing that I would jump into is trying to pressure the RPO um, you know and, and people know you know we go into game with just like most people do with we want to line up a certain way to a certain front and you know sometimes we'll leave let's say trips we'll leave number three humble covered People will just try to RPO and pitch it out there on a little stick to number three. And and I the first thing I do, man, is I tell our guys this. Hey, if they're if they're happy pitching it out there and getting five yards, like that's not gonna beat us. If if we're still if we're stopping the run and we're able to pressure the quarterback, like that five yards on that little stick route is not going to beat us. And sometimes I I don't I'll just say I don't want to be the guy that's going to overreact to that five-yard stick route and take the guy out of the box to cover that five-yard stick route and then and then end up with a light box and give up a, you know, a 50-yard inside zone. Like, I'd rather the guy pitch it out there and get five yards, and then we're going to punish you and be great tacklers and get you on the ground right there. Um, and then if I need to do something different, and we do, right, we'll, 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 we'll send a creeper and we'll drop that end in that window. Like, that works a lot of times. All right, we'll walk a safety down and cover that guy up if we have to, right? And, and work up, you know, close the middle of the field on it and walk that safety down and close that guy. Um, so we got different things we can do, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to panic on that stuff. Like I want to take the R away and make that guy, whatever the RPO is they have built off their run scheme. You know, we're going to try to pressure it. We're going to try to bring you eight tacklers and and just not panic. If we need to hang a guy out there, we hang a guy out there. We do, man. Like, we'll have to go – we'll have to take our, our nickel and invert a deal and put him outside of number two and let the safety kind of be the run fitter. We'll work some of that kind of stuff to try to help on the RPO. I, I'm just saying, like, my base philosophy is I don't I don't want to panic on that stuff. Now, we've, we've had to make adjustments in-game like everybody else has. And we – when I say we're seeing guys that aren't being patient, I don't – See guys being patient enough to just take five yards, five yards, five yards, five yards, right? I, we see the slants. 
Like, golly, that's, we see that all the time. But we, we just got to be great tacklers um, and get that guy on the ground. Like I got—I tell our guys all the time, like if they throw the ball in front of us, talking, and, and talking about our safeties, if they throw the ball in front of you, like get that dude on the ground and let's live to play another down. Um, so that, that's our base philosophy, and obviously we adjust off of that. We'll play man and we'll lock guys down, and you know we'll have to run creepers and get ins and windows and. You know, we we don't just line up and let the ends chase and the backers straight. Like, you can't do that anymore. You're totally right. People will eat you alive on that. you got to surf them at times and let the backers flow. Um, and, and like I said, we'll take our outside backers. We'll widen those dudes out. Let them get a jam on number two. And we'll play like a um, an old school, really an invert coverage, where our safeties can be the alley fitters. All right? And so... We're, now we're in a light box. Let's say it's two by two. We're in a four-one box. We got our backers outside of number two, right? We got our safeties inside leverage. So now we've changed up. We've changed up who the run fitters are, and it gives us a guy, you know, out there on that gift route. Um, so we we have to make adjustments, but that's that's my base philosophy and my base thought process when it comes to the to the RPO world. One hundred percent. So before we get into the pressure stuff. Let's talk about some of your coverage adjustments first. I know you've mentioned them a little bit. I know it's hard because these yep. are free-flowing conversations, but could you touch no, on some fine. of your other coverage adjustments before you start getting into the pressures? Yeah, sure. So, like I said, we're, we're primarily too high. We play a lot of, of palms and quarters. Um, that's that's what we do. And in, in our palm stuff, um, you know, we'll, we'll change up, you know, who, we'll, we'll change up who jumps in the flat. So we'll let those guys read it. We let them bracket it. If we get some type of condensed set, um, if we get wide splits, we'll let them lock it. So if two ran a five yard out, the safety would come off the roof, and he'd be the flat guy, and the corner would corner would be deep. Um, you know, uh, we we try to play trips a lot of different ways. Um, I think you got to in today's world. I think if you just line up in one particular way, um, people, obviously people can you know eat you alive in that. So. Um, we play the straight quarters where we'll let our backside safety kind of rob, uh, uh, you know, the trips and let the backside corner be in solo coverage where he's got number one everywhere he goes. We'll play some of that. Um, we play a lot of mini um, where, you know, the corner to trips man's one and you play, you play palms everywhere else. We'll play some of that. Uh, we'll play some stubby where we kind of cloud the trips. We'll play some man. And so we try to mix up how we play that. Um, going to a game with you know one or two primary checks, but then we'll have a couple other ways to play that if need be. Um, and so those are really the primary things we do. And like I said in the past, we've not been a big, you know, close the middle of the field team. We've been staying too high. Um, and I, I believe this still in high school football, uh, maybe I'm old school, I don't know, but I, I think that, the post is the easiest throw to make in football, right? And so I tell our guys all the time, if we can if we can protect the post, not consistently give up the post, make the quarterback throw the ball outside of the numbers, um, we're going to have a lot better chance to stop their passing game. And I think you've got to have different ways to do that. You can do it out of your two high. The safety's got to be really good. Jo- got to do a really good job playing leverage, right, and staying inside of that post. I think you've got to be able to close the middle of the field, whether it's play one or play three. 
Um, but I think protecting the post, I, I was reading a study the other day and I wish I had the numbers. It was in the NFL and they talked about the difference in the completion percentage between the post ball and the fade ball. And people call the fade ball a 50 50 ball. It's not a 50 50 ball. The completion percentage, I, I don't remember. I don't want to say a number. Um, but it was, it was lower than what I thought it would be. Um, and, and so again, that just kind of proves my theory and my thought process that make them throw that ball, make them throw the fade, make that high school quarterback throw the ball outside of numbers. Uh, don't consistently give up the post. That is the, like, I'm 47 years old and I think I could drop back if I'm protected and throw a pretty decent post ball. Um, and so we want to do a really good job of protecting that and being able to do it in, in different ways and have different people that are responsible for that. So and that's, that's really our, our, our coverage philosophy. And, and there's been some years where we've not been able to really be very good at playing man. I think this year we're going, we're going to have a chance to be pretty good at it. And so we're going, we're going to hopefully, hopefully do that a little bit more. Um, and again, I think if you can do that, I think if you can close the middle of the field some and you can play some man, that's going to make your palms and that's going to make your quarter stuff so much better. And we're going to try to do all of that post-snap, but we're going to show that two-high shell. And I'd love to be able to spin into the, you know, the one-high stuff post-snap. Uh, right now, we can't do a post-snap. Like we, we, can, we can get into it pre-snap, but I want that safety looking at – I mean, that quarterback looking out there and seeing those two safeties and then – spending it after he's got in his mind which way he wants to go and boom now we're in one high and that uh, just gives us the advantage and then it also makes our two high better when we when we do just sit in that so that's kind of our you know um philosophy versus in terms of the past makes a lot of sense Anything else you want to add coverage-wise before we move on to the pressures? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we have to – atypicals and stuff. You know, you start talking about quads and empty and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we've got, obviously, adjustments of that. Really, if we saw an empty set, we're, we're seeing a lot more of that, right? We're seeing a lot more of the empty stuff where there's empty, like true empty three-by-two or empty with an attached tight end. Like we're seeing a lot more of that stuff. And so if we do that, we'll get in some type of split field deal where we may be playing a, you know, a, a, a mini look to one side, like a mini to the trip side or some type of matchup over there to the trip side, depending on the, the splits and the alignments of the three, the three by side. And then over on the two side, we'll play some kind of read concept, like a palms deal. Um, let, let them read that and match those two routes, and then you know we're like we'll man it up sometimes too. But we're seeing a lot of that. That's one big thing we're seeing, and then we're seeing a ton. I think this is probably the maybe the biggest trend. I think you alluded to it earlier. We're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of tight end stuff, whether he's an attached tight end or he's a wild off guy. Um, I think you got to have different ways to play that in today's world, and so. You know, we'll go in there and we'll play our palm stuff to the passing strength. And we'll play, you know, maybe solo and let the corner match one and let the safety match the Y um, if he's a vertical threat. Um, you know, if he's not a vertical threat, we can work a, kind of a bracket deal over there. You know, Ron Rob, we, one thing I did get from him 
uh, at the Auburn Clinic, he talked about how, you know, they do a lot of that stuff that I just mentioned to the wild stuff. But if that why is not a vertical threat, maybe he's a true, you know, H-back guy or a tight end guy that you're not scared of going vertical. Or maybe he's just tucked down in the box closer to A-gap and you know he's not going to release. They'll take that backside safety that is usually responsible for him vertical. And they'll kind of work a bracket deal on the corner in the post with the other safety. They'll take that, that safety to the passing string who's normally the inside of that number two receiver. They'll put him outside of him and let him sit on the corner and that backside safety can sit on the post. Um, and that's something that I found interesting that we'll probably we'll probably throw in the package a little bit this year for our wild stuff. Yeah, Coach Randy used to run that. I, I, I don't know who runs what first or whatever, but I learned it from him. They called it uh, Fox Alert. Or basically, yeah. they try to play quarters like a middle field closed coverage when they can. Another mm-hmm. thing I saw recently was Pete Golding talking. They had a really good concept. So they run a coverage called Steeler. So Steeler, yep. for those of you who don't know, it's had different names over the years. It was called Seahawk at one point. Anyway, I believe it was called Steeler now. And it's, if you can picture stubby, mini, key, special, whatever you want to call it. But the yep. inside piece, who's usually the post three player, meaning he's going to post up three to 10 to 12 and then settle. He is actually going to stay on the wall all the way down the field. Well, if you do that, then obviously the star, if you get drive, has to take two back inside. But what this enables right. to do is it enables the strong safety to play over the top of two and three. It's really good if you yeah. play stubby and you have a hybrid player. And I've talked about it in, in pieces over the years, but it allows you to give relief because we played with a hybrid nickel. He was not a corner type. And people would run, you know, like you said, it's stubbies, palms to two and three. So people would run quarters beaters. Yeah. Post by two, dig by three. So what he's able to do is he's able to split that. So if you're getting worn out on the post to two, you can play between it. Now, obviously, what's the, the issue is now three on the bender. And you see this with NFL teams mm-hmm. where they're really pushing everything. If the threats are, are number two and number three, they'll poach the backside with the backside safety on three and then they'll yeah. put the strong safety leaning to two. Now that's a whole different conversation and it's not where I'm going, but to talk about what coaches right. touching on is you take the Steeler concept and they call it Steeler read. And so they're basically doing what coach Aranda and coach Roberts are doing, but tweaking it a bit. So what they're doing is they're having the strong safety read the why. So if they're playing, so this is kind of a half and half. So the guy is not a huge vertical threat, but he likes to run slide plays. So right. what he's going to do is he's going to play between two and three, but he's going to eyeball three. Three stays on the side. It plays out like stubby would. But if three swipes yeah. back to the weak side, he's now going to run to the middle of the field. Yeah. And that is to help on those deep over routes and things like that. Now, I don't know all the coaching right. points about it, Coach Golding did a clinic. I don't remember what coaches association, but it's on Coach Tube. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. But he went into this, and and I I thought, ooh, that's good. Now I'm going to be going there yeah. hopefully in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to watching some of that stuff. But yeah, um, check that yeah. out on Coach Tube. And and there's different ways to use those kind of concepts. But anyway, that's a that's a little just nugget thrown in there. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail us. No, no, that's good stuff. Yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter. 
And I meant to go look at that on Coach T, but I've not done it yet. All right, so Coach, let's get to the pressure parts of the, the package, the base package. And we're talking about, you know, running pass downs, not third down. Where are you going to cover up some of the deficiencies of the package that or it's maybe not even deficiencies. It's 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 like Coach Brown said, you you be the aggressor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if, if we're just talking about building our pressure package, and I don't, you know, I'll try to make this this, this quick because this could turn into a forty-five minute kind of you know deal. But we're, we're going to start with edge pressure, right? We're going to start with sending both backers off the edge or, or exiting both backers, and and I feel comfortable doing that in any situation, down in distance, position on the field. Um, feel comfortable doing that anytime. And so we tie, uh, I just, I don't believe in, in sending a guy and not giving him an aiming point and, and, or a technique to play. And so with our edge pressures, we play a hip technique. You and I may have talked about this before. I don't know. All right. But let's just say we're sending our, our nickel, our sound backer. Maybe it's, you know, wild set. He's to the two receiver side. We're going to send that guy. All right. Maybe he's, so what they're going to do is, that when they blitz off the edge, I'm not just gonna like just send them and tell them to blitz off the edge. They got an aiming point. The aiming point is gonna be the near hip. So if that guy's got the back to him, all right, and if he's got the back set to him, and this goes back to what we talked about with the RPO. All right, he's got the back set to him, they run zone away, he's on a pressure, he's not gonna chase that back. All right. This is gonna be the first way we're gonna we're gonna teach that. I'm gonna let the the end. Let's say we're in our four man front here, all right, or our tight front doesn't matter. We're gonna let that end come underneath and chase the zone, and now that backer is gonna blow the quarterback up. So basically, when they play that hip technique, they're gonna if the hip goes away from them, they're gonna redirect and take whatever comes to them, all right. So if they ran zone, the end's gonna chase the backer coming off the edge should be in the quarterback's face. So if they wanted to go zone and throw the slant bubble. Well, he's going to have to throw that with that backer in his face. So that goes back to what I was talking about with the RPO, right? So that's the technique that we teach on that. Now, what happens if he gives that ball and that end has chased under and that backer's in the quarterback's face and they bend that zone back, right? Like everybody always asks me that. Is there going to be a little crease in there? Yes, but your, your linebacker, your Mike linebacker's got to be disciplined. And that's, that's happened to us. If that dude just flies right now when he sees – you know, that back take that zone step, he's going to get walled, and there's going to be a little crease for that back to cut back. So that guy's got to be really disciplined at Mike Linebacker. He's got to mirror those steps of that back. And when that dude bends it back, you know, we teach a little rock step and run, and he's going to have to rock step and get back on that back. But in, in terms of our pressures, that's where we start, right? And I think by using that technique and not just letting that guy just blindly go off the edge, I feel comfortable running that anytime, any pressure, any set, um, whatever. So our four- and five-man pressures are all going to be NFL teams, um, and that's just those, – those kids just have to remember that, right? They have to remember those, those – if it's an edge pressure, if it's a mic kind of deal, like they're all NFL teams. They just have to remember that. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm really gotten into this deal, man. Like, you know, for years, you always heard people say, like, early in my career in terms of pressuring the quarterback, like, if you can get pressure with just four and you don't have to send pressure, like, that's what you want to do, right? Like, you don't have to – you don't want to blitz unless you have to. Get pressure four, get pressure four. That's great. 
And I've kind of gotten into that mindset where how can I get pressure with four, but not always have the same four guys uh, rushing, you know, the old creeper world and, and the sim world. And, uh, and so I, I've just spent lots of time trying to figure out how can I do that? And I, I've told you before that, you know, Austin Armstrong has really helped us with this and spent a lot of time with us um, in this world. And, you know, we spent a lot of time as a, as a staff trying to figure out, are we, so we really like these creepers and these sims. How can we call them and not have like an entire other family of calls that our kids have got to remember? And I, I spend a lot of time like trying not to put too many things on their plate. Like I want things to be on my plate. I mean, I'm the grown man. Like I can handle that stuff. I want them to go play, play their tails off. And so we, we spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. And we were going to go the whole, you know, NFL quarterback deal. Like we were going to use all those names and do that. And then I just, that didn't sit right with me. Like we're at Southern Miss talking about this and I, I can't sleep. I'm like, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to have a whole nother. It just felt like too much. And so I think I've told you, we came up with four words that we use to tag uh, a particular position to drop. Um, or and, and, and the inside technique on that side to be the copper. I've got four different words, and we tag any of those NFL pressures whenever we want, and they automatically become a creeper for us. And uh, that's been really good, too, because it, I think it gives us more flexibility because, we can, like I said, we can use any of those calls, any of our NFL blitzes. We can turn them into creepers whenever we want to. I can drop the boundary in. I can drop the field in. I can drop both of them. I can drop, you know, my inside guys if I want to do that as a change-up. Um, and so it allows me to just rush four guys and hopefully get pressure with four. And it'd and it be a different four every time. And I, I think that's important in today's world with, with all the things that all offenses can do. I think that's our, that is our way on defense to be offensive, if that makes sense. Like they're, they're able to show you all of these different formations and our offensive staff does a really good job of it like they never they rarely get in an offensive set and sit there there's always somebody moving or shifting or motioning they're making you you know flip guy and making you do all this kind of stuff so that is our way i think that is our 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 motions and our shifts is to be able to run these these, these creepers and these sims and make them figure out who who are the four guys that i'm sending um, so that's where we're going with our pressure package right now. We're going more to that world. Um, I'm still going to send our, you know, four and five man pressures. And I think if you're a guy that's into the creepers and the sims, I think it's really important that you still, you still pressure five, six, maybe seven man pressures at times. If not, I don't think your creepers and your sims are going to be very effective. So I still think you got to do both. Um, so that's where we're going with our pressures. Um, and in terms of, uh, you know, run pressures, love little, little line games. And I love going back to what we talked about earlier. I look at different front presentations as a pressure. And I was talking with some of our guys about that today. Like we're going to get in a couple of different fronts that I haven't even mentioned on here. And I'm going to use those as a pressure. Like it's not going to be something that we're just going to live in. It's going to be like a pressure call. 
I'll call it when I want to call it. And, it, and it's, it's going to, you know, these particular front, they're going to be sound. Um, and uh, they're not going to be hard on the kids to execute. They're not going to be hard to get in. And I'm going to use them as a, as a pressure. And uh, I think that makes stopping the run more effective. You know, if you can line up and be really good in the three and a one and then jump in that tight front like we talked about and stop the run and then jump in a couple other little very easy. When I say a different front, Chris, I'm not talking about like like a – I'm just talking about like a little call off of our – or we're making it three, uh, two threes, for example, instead of being a three and a one. But that's something we're going to get in, you know, something like that. Or we'll get in a ball front where we take our shade and put him to the strong side. And then we've got all our bigs on the same side. And we'll, we'll adjust with our backers and maybe let them sit on the weak side. And that's something different. Uh, and then we'll work a little few games off of that. And I'm really, really getting big into that in terms of stopping the run. That's really good stuff, Coach. I wanted to ask you something. This is kind of off topic a little bit, but figured we could do it in a quick few minutes. You mentioned the yeah. um, the the load front, or I believe you call it the the boss front, where all the big guys are yeah. on one side. Um, yep. That, do you use that primarily for third down? I know you mentioned it throughout, but is that is that something that you feature in all downs? Or you know, we started doing that some last year, and we did uh, versus the run early downs. We didn't use it on third down. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, it's it's crazy that you asked me that because literally today I was reading something I don't remember, but I was reading something. I was going, oh wait, like these guys are using this front on third down. It's like, why didn't I think of that? So, no, we were using it on the run. So, we're against 20 personnel teams. We would jump into this. Now, obviously, you know, we'd have a tendency or something that would make us do that, you know. Um, but we started doing that more towards the playoffs to make us a little more flexible and to help our three-man front. So, now we would jump into that ball front to try to shut the run down. And now, what I would do, and I don't mind saying this, it's on film, what I would do is, so normally that Mike linebacker, back in that four that four three is sitting in the a gap so if i put the shade in that strong side a gap i would just bump the mic over into that weak side a gap and so i'd have a backer and on the weak side a and the weak side b kind of stacked right there um and they were just fast readers now i mean if, you know if it flowed front side they got something that you know i call a level three play something outside of the box to the front side well those, those guys have got to be fast enough to get over there and make that play, and, and they were, or I wouldn't have felt comfortable, you know, bumping that guy over to that weak side. But, no, we use it against the run, and I loved it against the run. We're still going to do that. Um, but I do want to use it against the pass. Like, there's some crazy things that you can do out of that on third down. And I, I texted our guys today, and I said, man, I, I drew up a bunch of stuff, and I sent it to them. I said, y'all got to look at this. Like, we're putting this in our book, and we get to – you know, playoff season or whatever, like we're going to be able to throw this ball front out there and hit people, get some pass rush. Pass rush games really is what people were doing out of it. So now we, we, we really like it versus the run. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we were speaking the same language there because I was a little confused uh, for a second, yeah. but no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. That's really, I may have to have you yeah. uh, draw some of that up and send it to me. Uh, I'll draw it up tomorrow and send it to you. Yeah. I just think it's the thing that the kids, that our kids, like it requires one guy to move. Right? What do you do if you're that center, right? And you've got, you've got whatever called. You've got whatever zone or a gap scheme called. 
and you're you're just kind of used to that shade and also now he's on the strong side and you don't do it all the time like you just do it you know when i want to do it you just call it boom jump in it like what do you do if you're that high school center like it's got to slow you down a little bit you know um so that's that's uh, that's the kind of stuff that I like and that we're moving to is like just, just moving one guy into something different and not having to do something that requires five people to do something totally different. I like it. Simple. Can mess with an offense. Not a lot of new stuff yep. for you. Checks all the boxes. Yep. All right. So let's get to the championship question. Fourth and nine, 35 yard line going in. There's 11 seconds left. The offense has one timeout. Their field goal kickers just out of range, but they feel if they can get the first, they can kick the field goal and win the game. Now, all things being equal, meaning they don't have a stud that you automatically have to double, and you don't have an eraser that can just be put on their best guy and call it a day. In a situation like this, what what are you feeling? What's your gut telling you right there? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, what we're going to do is we're going to pressure the PS out of them. Like we're gonna make them have to make a really hard throw. We're probably gonna play. We're probably gonna be. We're probably gonna play quarters. We're gonna either send. Uh, we're probably gonna send a some type of a six man pressure or some type of a creeper where we're really only gonna send four and then probably drop a couple ends. Now, that's probably gonna be the two go tos that we would do. And I, I mean, you know, I don't want to give away like the exact creeper that we would do, but that would be probably. We would do one of those two things if we're in that situation. Like, I'm not going to sit back on my heels. I'm going after them. If I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat being aggressive. A wise man once told me, never go down with the bullets still left in the gun. Coach, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. Shout out your social media where everybody can see those fun videos and follow you for your next speaking gig and ask any questions. Yeah, at CoachScott34 on Twitter, so... You know, give me a follow, reach out if you got any questions, and uh, you know uh, there'll be a video or two coming up soon. Uh oh! Thanks yeah. for joining us, Coach. Yep. Thank you, Coach. I enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Me too. Thank you to Scott Goolsby for coming on the show, blessing us with his knowledge, and for the awesome sound clip at the beginning of the show. That guy is really one of a kind, and I'm really happy he decided to join us. And if you want to hear us talk more, check out the Patreon. He came on patreon.com slash Coach Vass. Also, we did a thing with Huddle. I'll put the link in the show notes where we talked about building a defensive culture, which is a departure from what we normally do. But make sure you check that out as well. Also, like I mentioned in the intro, we really need your support. Just go and rate the podcast, as well as write a quick review if you don't mind, only if it's positive. If it's negative, you can keep it to yourself. I won't be offended. And last, but certainly not least, never forget the quarterback can't see with tears in their eyes. This is Coach Scott Goolsby, 